What does $13 million buy you these days? And is Ohio State making the right moves in this NIL arms race? Oh, and what could sports betting mean for your favorite college football program? All that and more coming up in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance. Back in black, it's been a couple weeks. My thanks to Kevin, the Professor Harris, for filling in so admirably for me these last two weeks as I was out on the road with the family doing some dog shows and joining me as always, the anchor, the heart and soul, the percussion drum beat of this band, Johnny Ray Ginner. Johnny, it's good to be back, my friend. I missed you. Yeah, I miss you too. What was, okay, so for the people listening, you, you there was a lot of eventful things in the life of Andy Vance in the past couple of weeks. Um what would you say was probably the most entertaining, exciting thing that you did in your, your time off? Yeah, I was, I was doing, uh, it was, there was kind of an insane 10 day period where I was driving from dog shows to, uh, work travel for my day job to more dog shows. So our, our hobby, uh, as a family is doing AKC confirmation dog shows. So if you ever watch the Westminster Kennel Club uh, dog show on television, or if you ever watched the uh, classic film uh, Best in Show, uh, that is maybe more like a documentary than what you might realize. I was about, you know what I was about to say, I'm like, there, that's got to have more than just a, a kernel of truth to that particular satire. I, mean, I, I got a I, feeling that's there. That is a very a well-observed parody i will tell you this my dog show mentor and a very dear friend one time we were talking about that movie and she started naming like people in in the community and who they lined up oh with from the movie and it was hilarious it was like awesome. oh yeah that's pretty accurate so uh anyway that that's our family's hobby we love it it's a lot of fun you know i the stunning mrs vance jokes that i got into dogs because we can't keep cows in the backyard here in town although the, okay. the mayor tells me that's not specifically verboten by city ordinance that's neither here nor there uh so so anyway that's where we were the coolest thing that happened uh i have to say i gotta give a little shout out to the little tyke uh being a daddy is the absolute best thing i've ever done it's my favorite thing i love it and uh our daughter turned nine this year old enough to show in akc junior showmanship competition and she won our national breed specialty junior showmanship competition fantastic we, we were out in st louis at Purina a national Farm, champion if you she will. is a national champion absolutely uh that awesome. is that is the perfect way to describe it so i couldn't be proud uh prouder than i am of her she is absolutely incredible and at nine years old to go and win a natty yeah that's that's the best so that was very cool thanks to kevin for filling in for me uh so let's get right into the meat and potatoes here or 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 maybe we say should say the the benjamins ohio state trying to keep up in this arms race i i'm so bummed that i missed the discussion about the dust up between uh the the don data uh, nick saban and mm. jimbo fisher over who's buying who and who's spending how much money but ohio state's trying to thread the needle i think to walk the line and it's launched a corporate ambassador program for athletes trying to ramp up this nil uh, uh business you know, Johnny, you've spent a lot of time studying this and have looked at what different schools are doing and these different collectives. Uh, I mean, is, has Ohio State found the right kind of, I, I, I guess, balance here between not just caving in the wild, wild west and saying, well, we'll, we'll figure it out later if we get our hands slapped? Are they doing enough to stay competitive at this stage? I think they are. And, and part of it is that Ohio state's got an inherent advantage just because it's Ohio state. Right. So 
if they want to play it cautiously and say, all right, well, we're not going to, we're not going to expect that we have to have a, you know, a, a payroll of $50 million or something like that. They're not, I don't think they're freaking out. I guess is my point. And I don't think they should. They, they have enough cultural cachet, enough proven record of success where they don't have to say like, we have to allocate every single available dollar in the Columbus business community to give to these kids or they'll just go. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I think they are being smart about leveraging what does currently exist in Columbus. Gene Smith and Ryan day are obviously talking to these guys and saying, Hey, this is what we think we need. You got to step up. And, and frankly, I mean, here's the thing, $13 million is what they said is like that. That's what they expect would be necessary for something like NIL. $13 million is nothing. That's a pittance <laughs> and, and, and a number of different senses of, first of all, for the Columbus business community, they, they can come up with $13 million in, you know, NIL deals that that's nothing. Um, and for Ohio state to, to try to make those kind of connections and whatnot, that's, that's child's play there. There's, that's not difficult at all. So if that's truly the number, and I suspect it might actually be kind of lowballing it, but even if, even if that's remotely close, I, I really don't think Ohio State as an entity and Ohio State football as a program would have trouble coming up with that and, and leveraging all the resources that they have to make it happen. So I think they're fine. And I think they're approaching it cautiously because that's kind of Ohio State's bag. Um, but I think they're doing the right way. Looking at the the data, the $13 million figure, I thought was really interesting. I mean, that comes out to be what about one hundred and fifty three thousand dollars per per scholarship? Right, uh, but we know that it's you know <laughs> not oh, going to yeah. We're not, not this is we're not, not spreading this out equally. No, 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 I'm not, not suggesting not, that, but yeah, I but I thought not, that was interesting because I, I agree with you that when you're talking about uh, and I think what was it that um, was it Saban that said hey we need or no actually this was from Day I guess that the the two million dollars for a top shelf quarterback and tackles. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting. We're finally starting to put some dimension to this, right? That, Hey, going right, right now for an edge rusher is a million bucks. Right. And, you know, gosh, think about how insane this conversation would have felt five years ago that we're actually putting numbers to stuff. That's probably been happening <laughs> under the table. Uh, most places for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, the NCAA and you and I talked about it before I went on, on break that Gene Smith has talked about this, the need for the NCAA to, to be more actively involved in regulating this. Uh, you and I both, I think agree that the genie's already out of the bottle a bit too late for that, but I'm, I'm still real curious to see if we fast forward this thing five years, and this is sort of a well-oiled machine of how the economy works. What is the, the, the function, the, the, machinery the uh, the the flywheel if you will that keeps all this going from uh sponsor to athlete how involved do the schools become are these collectives going to go away or not there's just so many different approaches to this right now mm -hmm. I, I, but i feel like there's going to be some sort of shaking out that happens over the next 12 to 24 months and and there's going to be more uniformity than what there is now. Am I, am I right in thinking that will happen, that there'll be more of a uniform approach to this a couple of seasons from now in the same Maybe. way that there, in the same way that there's more uniformity to think about all the things that happen in recruiting now, right? Like everybody has 
uh, a graphics department. Everybody has a video department. Like these are all things that a few years ago, only the Ohio States had. Now everybody's trying to compete in that space. You know, there's, yeah. there's more, there, there's more copycat, you know, it's a copycat sport in other words. Of course. Yeah. Well, I think that, but that's, that's, I guess what I would say is that there will probably be at least a couple seasons of shaking it out to see which approach is most successful, right? Like which, hmm. which college is finding, you know, NIL working the best for them. And I know it's going to be probably individualized depending on the college. Like if you're USC, right. That approach is going to be different than if you're Northwestern, right? Like that's the, and, and maybe actually not that much more different than, than you might think just because of the the fact that you've got these two giant cities that you can kind of leverage, but like, I don't know, Iowa or something or, or Purdue, they can't have the same approach that another place does. But I do think what they'll do is they'll look and see what's successful. Um, and the most successful schools, other schools will look at that and go, okay, then we're just going to copy their program, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. I mean, that, that, that works. And then maybe that'll help bring some consistency and sanity to the whole process in general. It'd be interesting to watch uh, $13 million. At, yeah. I'll be curious to see what that number looks like uh, in a few years. If it's 13 today on day one, is it 26 next season and so on let's go on to rivalries within the sport the rivalry michigan um bowing to the notion that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and apes ohio state's gold pants tradition by giving its players charms for their win over the buckeyes last season uh i <laughs> i i was kind of torn about this one johnny on the one hand you know, your gut reaction is to say that anything that Michigan does is instantly bad and stupid and worthy of scorn and derision. On the other hand, you know, we've been saying for years that that rivalry had stopped being a bit of a rivalry. So, Hey, if this is one of those things that helps them, you know, get their act back together and make this thing interesting and worth fighting for again, eh, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Uh, what, what, Give me a hot take on Michigan <laughs> coming up with its own half-ass version of the gold pants. You know what, though? They don't. Okay, not only are they not going to get an opportunity to hand those out very often, but I, the other problem is, is that you can't force a tradition. Something has to come up. Like, whenever I see Michigan revert back to using the helmet stickers, you know, which they do occasionally, I'm like, yeah. why? Why bother? Like, you it's i don't have a problem with schools doing it in general but if you're michigan anything that you do that ohio state has already done is going to look like a pale imitation of it right because you haven't been as successful as ohio state for the past several decades so you're going to just look like bums kind of just latching on to whatever ohio state does so yeah you put out your tchotchkes and it looks it looks kind of kind of sad, kind of lame. And again, like I'm not saying gold pants are necessarily the height of, you know, tradition, but it's, it's a cool thing Ohio State's done for many years, like a long, long time. It, it has roots in Ohio State's, you know, history and tradition. And Michigan handing out some hot topic jewelry. It's like, <laughs> what, what, what do you get from that? Like who, who really looks at something like that and takes pride in it is what I'm saying. I don't care if they found some other kind of thing to do. And I think maybe it would be cool if they, they found, they did find something like that, that was rooted in who they are and their history and things like that. But like aping what Ohio state does just makes you look worse in retrospect. And 
I don't know, man. I mean, yes, I think I, I do endorse anything that gets juice back into the rivalry, but like it's always going to be like DEFCON 1, you know, when they come into Columbus in late November. It's going to be like intense here. And if Michigan wants to capitalize on something like that, they've got to get more creative or be more interesting than a, a pale imitation of something Ohio State does better. It was kind of funny when I first saw the tweet that had the pictures. They have, you know, the, if you haven't seen this this thing, there's like two pictures. You know, the front and the back of the front of it uh, is shaped like the helmet, and you know, has a thing that says the game on it, and, and so on. I'm like, okay, you know, the winged helmet is is arguably their most visible iconography, so or their their most uh, notable um iconography so so all right fine you can use the helmet that's okay the back side of this thing is kind of a big old mess though um i look at it and if you again if you haven't seen it it's it's got the block o with like these kind of claw marks across it and it honestly took me a minute when i first looked at it i was like what are these big yellow scratch marks on here for and they're like oh wait they're the wolverines okay i i get that now and then there's like a little cartoon paw <laughs> cartoon wolverine paw going over the block oh uh yeah. listener listener bryant who uh you know has been, been a loyal listener of the program while well, he tweeted back at them <laughs> that was kind of funny he said you know why i wouldn't want anything that had my rival's logo on it and i thought you know good point i ain't putting a block m on anything i own no uh, it's yeah kinda... it looks dumb uh, and it and uh, yeah, it, it really does. So even when they even when they had what might have been a, a decent idea, uh, the execution sorely lacking. Well, uh, never, so. never, never underestimate Michigan's ability to like take a basic decent idea and then just completely over engineer it and and you know like take take an idea and then just add layers of crap to it to the point where it's basically incomprehensible and just lame. Like that's. That, that's their whole thing as a fandom it's just they just keep adding more and more crap it's like no no no, no. it's uniquely michigan no, no it's not you just copy other crap and then you do a lame version of it that's and you know what here's the thing though if michigan's good i don't get to say that <laughs> like that's the thing if michigan is consistently good if michigan is ohio state 1b or whatever one ohio state and michigan are 1a and 1b in the big 10 and michigan was consistently a threat and I feel like they're Georgia North or something like that. They can do anything they want and nobody's going to say boo about it, but because they've had one really successful season in the past 20 years yeah. and immediately start doing stuff. Of course, people are going to give you grief because it's like, it's like, you know, it's like a kid who's only had one Christmas and they're like, okay, well, I'm 20 years old, but I still really want that GI Joe. I still really want that Pete the Cat doll. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's like you're trying to cram in 20 Christmases into ones. Like you got to be successful on a consistent basis to try to build this stuff up. Otherwise, side, it just looks really lame. Side note: I totally watched 45 minutes of GI Joe on YouTube last night. Fantastic. It was, yeah, it was surprisingly enjoyable. I loved G.I. Joe as a kid. That was one of my favorite cartoons. Oh, yeah, and no, Transformers. I was I was, uh, but I thought there's no way this holds up, you know, 40 years later. And no, it does. It's great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so I was watching the uh, miniseries where the, 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 I learned about uh, DNA from G.I. Joe, believe it or not, because uh, oh, nice. they, you know, they combed the tombs of 
the history's greatest conquerors to create, you know, the Cobra super leaders or Pentacles, <laughs> right? Shout out to children of the eighties who also watched that. Speaking of rivals, Johnny, uh, in addition to that team up North, uh, Ohio state has what some might consider a quasi rivalry with Penn state readers of the site, I think have long argued in the comments uh, that Penn State, no matter how much they want to be, is not a rival of Ohio State. Apparently, mm-hmm. the Nittany Lions listened and will not have the Buckeye game as a whiteout this season, will instead use their whiteout against Minnesota. Are they just tired of losing the whiteouts? Is that what this is all about, do you think? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's. I don't think that's a bad a bad guess. Like, they they have not been as super successful with that against Ohio State um as of late and and maybe they they do want to try to get some of the juice back with it i that makes sense i i feel that i i you know what here's the thing though do you would you say that penn state's a rival of ohio state at this point you know i mean i Despite would say the fact that ohio state's really kind of owned that rivalry for the most well, part and that's the interesting thing about it is that on the one hand i would say Ohio State's owned that rivalry, but they've owned every, with the exception of Purdue. Like if we're like, honestly, <laughs> God, though, if, if we're looking at the Big Ten and we're looking at teams that were like, okay, well, you can't be a rival of Ohio State unless you're good and you beat Ohio State. Well, then that's Purdue. That's it. That's the only team that gets to be a rival of Ohio State. In the I, I think you could fairly make the argument that Penn State has given Ohio State more competitive games than Michigan has during oh, yeah, easily, you know, yeah. the last 10 years. I, I don't think you'd have to really do any kind of mental gymnastics to get there this is the first time since 2010 that the Buckeyes won't uh, face a whiteout when going to Happy Valley uh, will also be Ohio State's second straight strip to Happy Valley without facing a whiteout because there was no whiteout during 2020 due to our old friend the Rona um, there's been some discussion apparently that that game because it is uh, going to be on October 29th will be a nooner instead of prime time which i think is kind of lame um maybe it's going to be the big nooner i don't i don't know uh i haven't paid really close attention to which which weeks fox will have versus one of the other networks in that regard but i but i have to admit i was a little to to your question about is this a rivalry i was a little disappointed that it wouldn't be a whiteout because i i do give props to them for what is an objectively great um and well executed home field tradition advantage kind of deal uh, I don't know if anybody is quite as successful as doing something like that as Penn State is. And so, yeah, a little disappointed that they didn't do the whiteout. Does that does that bother you at all? Or do, when you saw that news, did you just say, eh, who cares? I mean, it, I, I think it kind of sucks because I do think it's a fun part of the rivalry. And I would also say that, you know, as far as, I mean, I do, and I, and I use that word because I do think it's a rivalry and Ohio state's like nine and one in the last 10 games against Penn state. Like they've, they've beaten the crap out of Penn state, but I do think it's a rivalry. And I think that that kind of energy is something that I know that the players appreciate. It's, it's a part of the, it's one of those games that Ohio state has on its schedule that I look forward to. And we don't get a lot of those sometimes, you know, Ohio state being as good as it is and as dominant as it is, there aren't a whole lot of games that you circle on the calendar, right? Mm-hmm. There really aren't. And, and for Penn state to be one of those, like you want it to be under the lights with the whiteout. And I like that Ohio state's kind of done the reciprocal thing and the shoe where it's like, okay, we'll have a blackout or something like that, which yeah. I, I was super skeptical about the first time they did it. Right. And I was at that game. I was at the first like, 
blackout that they did and everybody wore black and it was sick. It was awesome. And by the way, that's what I'm talking about to refer back to the Michigan conversation. You know, if Ohio state's bad and tries to do that, everybody laughs at Ohio state. Like, oh, that's that's right. But because Ohio state's good and people actually bought into it and they won that game, it was, it was kick-ass. So, you know, I want it to be maximum entertainment value, not doing the wide out lessons, the entertainment value. And that kind of sucks. Uh, is it a rivalry? Yes. I am happy that they have decided to basically schedule at the same point in time every year, right? End of October, mm-hmm. make it kind of a Halloween thing. That's yep. sick. And I think that should, that aspect of the rivalry needs to be played up significantly um, that we're doing a Halloween kind of thing. That's, that's awesome. Um, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Missed opportunities. Like let, let that rivalry, let that game be as exciting as it, as it, uh, you know, potentially can be. Well, on that note, if, if we agree that, Hey, it, it is a rivalry and, uh, we agree we're, we're a little bummed that it's not going to be, uh, a whiteout game, you know, does the fact, if it does end up being a nooner, does that take some of the teeth out of it? Yeah. I mean, anytime you play a major team at noon, it's, it does. And, and that's, I know Fox doesn't care, <laughs> right. Cause it, it brings in the, the ratings so they don't give a crap, but yeah, it, it absolutely does. It, with the exception, I think of Michigan, which is just traditionally a noon game. And I think people expect that. And you know, you're hyped anyway, cause it's Michigan. It's the last game of the year, blah, blah, blah. That has a lot of things that can mitigate that, but any other team at noon, yeah, it's, it's going to take some of the energy out. Ohio State, uh, oh, I shouldn't say Ohio State, the state of Ohio, there we go, uh, announced that we're moving forward with legalized sports betting on January 1st. So we're going to go another year without being able to bet legally on college sports. The Ohio Casino Control Commission making that announcement last week. Uh, the delay is supposedly to allow for applications and a vetting process uh, for those wishing to allow sports gambling. What do you, what do you think? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I really want to get to ask us anything after having been away from it for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I need to bond with the people. We have, but, oh, there's actually a really complicated ask us. I almost forgot. There's a very complicated one that we have to get to. So don't okay. let me forget. All right. All right. So we're going to do that. Uh, but what are, what are your feelings about the arrival of legalized sports betting here in the Buckeye state and what it might mean, if anything, for college football, given the the passion for the for the the sport here in the state i i mean i don't know i i am not a gambler and it's in part because i think i would do very badly at gambling like why would i be a big fan of burning money no so why would i gamble because i would be terrible at it um you know here's the thing though like if you want to gamble you can't necessarily do it like in state you can't go to like you know, OTB or whatever, but like, uh, you can still do it. Right. Like, am I like, you know, you absolutely uh, can. So, okay. So if that's the case, I understand people are like, well, I want all this infrastructure. So I don't have to go jump through hoops or whatever, but I don't, first of all, I don't think the hoops are that onerous. And secondly, uh, like if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. So I don't know. To me, I understand when people are like, well, that's stupid. You got to wait a year, but like, I don't know. I, I don't see this. If you really want to do it, I don't see this as being a huge impediment to your desire to, to 
put down, you know, 20 bucks on Ohio State or something like that. So I guess I'm kind of nonplussed about the whole thing. I'm not really, I'm not sitting here going like, man, what a huge missed opportunity because people who are doing it are already doing it or who want to do it are already doing it. And people who might casually do it, I don't think really miss it um, if they have to wait a year. I don't think that's something that they're upset about. I'm, I'm really curious to see if, you know, as more states do this, you know, can I just walk down high street and walk into a William Hill and start placing bets? You know, will we, will, will there be a, a point in the future where, you know, you have a, a bookmaker shop where you can have a smoke and place a bet or, or will the proliferation of, of app-based gambling, uh, you know, change all that. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what the future holds. I like you, I'm not a big better. Uh, I did enjoy, you know, years ago on the site, we did a series called house money, uh, and, and the staff each week picked, uh, I think 10 games against the spread. And oh, yeah. one, one season I decided I was actually going to put $10 on every game that we, that we bet as a, as a site. And I, and I actually, it was, this is why I don't bet on games. So I was, um, well ahead. I think I came in first or second that season, nice. uh, on my picks. Yeah. Well, I had a very complicated system. Um, it was basically following whatever S and P plus said for that week's games, uh, long time listeners in the show will know I'm a big fan of Bill Connolly's analytics system. Uh, so that was basically my system was SP plus, uh, to make my picks and it worked out, but then I just basically pushed all my chips in the middle on the Rose Bowl. <laughs> okay. Ohio State won, but did not cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, easy come, easy go. Uh, basically, don't go all in at the end of the game, I guess. I mean, really, the only time the only time I've ever been like invested in, uh, in betting is when we shorted all of, uh, yeah, uh, that was great. Clay Travis's picks and then made money off of it, which is really, I mean, the, bar none the funniest thing that i like think we have done as a series on the site that that still is the like my all like just as an idea and the execution and the fact that we made money off of shorting his dumbass picks is just perfect in every sense of the word like there's really there's really no topping that what a great idea i yeah, love it that that was the best because he's pretty much the biggest cootie in the business so he's terrible yay yeah yay, yay. <laughs> 11 warriors all right let's uh let's let's change gears it is time for uh, our favorite segment of the program ask us anything uh good time to remind you that the 11 dubcast is brought to you by the dry goods store 11 warriors.com hats t-shirts stickers all things for the discerning buckeye fan can be found at drygoods.11warriors.com. All right, friend, to the mailbag we go. What have we this week? So we remind you that you can ask us literally, literally anything uh, by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And actually, I'm going to start with the one that we have here on uh, on Twitter because I want to forget it from uh, our, uh, our loyal listener, Bryant. Um, so two things here one national donut day was friday what's your favorite donut this actually came up in my facebook memories um oddly enough today i had posted i think like five years ago that the stunning mrs vance had had a donut craving so we went to jolly pirate donuts in reynoldsburg and i was very frustrated those are good well i was very frustrated because one um the the staff there one uh, neither pirates nor jolly uh i was very frustrated about that but i i posted at that time and i will stand by this that the crawler is the king of donuts crawler okay interesting love me love me a crawl. uh one b to my one a will be the uh boston cream okay 
<laughs> Boston cream's good. I, you know what? I don't like to get too fancy with the donut, honestly. And maybe I don't know that this is particularly surprising. I just like a good regular fried donut. Maybe put some frosting on top. I don't know. I don't really care. It's fine. But like the regular standard, like stereotypical brown fried donut i just want a good brown fried donut i don't like a bunch of fancy crap on it i don't like the cake the big fluffy you know crispy cream cake donuts i hate that crap i don't want it i just want a fried donut that's it i just that's it and i and i love those and i don't want it to be fancy or with a bunch of glaze on i don't want any of that i just want i you know i want to feel like i'm some bavarian in 1826 and enjoying a, a delicious fried donut that's all i want and yeah you could put a little like i said put a little vanilla frosting cool i'm fine with that maybe a sprinkle or two but i don't want to get fancy with my donuts so the um, follow-up question is yeah uh donut chains that you you enjoy or like favorite favorite donut shops oh um i like duck donuts a lot nice I think duck donuts is, is legit. And again, this is, this is a, a shout out to Middletown. And I know we've actually had an ask us anything question about this. This is a, I would say, and in terms of like the history of ask us anything questions, this is definitely in my top like two or three, which was trying to tell, like I had to decide between the best donut places in uh middletown central pastry or milton's donuts and milton's donuts is the best by the way i'll reiterate my correct opinion uh that milton's donuts has the best donuts in middletown um but that is also a very very good place as well milton's Um, donuts uh not a sponsor of the 11 dubcast but uh welcome to become a sponsor of the 11 dubcast if anyone from milton's happens to be listening be glad to do product placement for you <laughs> yeah yeah 100 uh that's yeah that's the only that is the only sponsor i will accept of the, no i'm kidding <laughs> Let, no i'm actually i'm very much kidding about that i don't care who you are as long as you're not out there like kidnapping kids or you know torturing dogs or something please sponsor the 11 okay anyway uh next one question number two from bryant uh, Ramsey wrote an article on Wednesday in which he reminded everyone of the terrible offense under Jim Bowman. By the way, side note, side note on that. Uh, yes, Jim Bowman deservedly gets a lot of hilarious crap for that. And then I wrote, I think, my personal favorite thing that I ever created for Eleven Warriors, which was the fake contract uh, for his Michigan State hire, where I just implied that he was a walrus and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Fine. However, however, I would say that Jim Tressel who had a very clear habit of putting incompetence in key positional roles so that he could do the job himself probably shares much more of the blame of Jim Bowman's crappy offenses than I think people are willing to admit as bad as Jim Bowman was and as zero ideas as he ever contributed Jim Tressel kept him in that position for a very long time and i think it's because jim trestle knew exactly what he was going to get and wanted the result and so you know uh, matt brown uh i think dr football whoever it was after the usc game when ohio state just looked completely hapless and that was with terrell Pryor at quarterback this you know guy who should have been cam newton uh just ripped him apart and he wasn't ripping apart jim bowman he's ripping apart jim trestle and i think that was probably deserved anyway moving on 
who is the one assistant slash coordinator who makes you angry just thinking about them well i I get really mad oh uh, and by the way real quick sorry uh brian adds that mine is tim beck because of the 2015 michigan state game and fyi it's not alex grinch because him failing his way into millions of dollars at this point is mostly just funny which i agree with yeah i and and totally totally agree with that it's it's become i mean almost as so the bowman walrus thing is one of the funniest things to me ever uh my favorite i i don't know who created this maybe you maybe you do but there was a a gif that used to show up in the comments on 11 words all the time of like a Bowman play chart. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. like an old super Nintendo, you know, football game, uh, you know, press a press B kind of yeah, thing. like and, the ask Madden option. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Ask Madden. Ask Whoever Bowman. made that is a genius. And it was oh, like, boy. you know, Dave, 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 you know, trick play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, throw the ball away yeah it was great <laughs> it was a, fun and, on third down and and of course it has bowman as a walrus you know at some point in the gif like, like number one that was like a, a 27 panel <laughs> animation it just kind of kept going and you i was never really sure what the first panel was because it just it just kept going i love that uh so whoever created it you you are a legend in my mind uh but to answer the question, Brian, I, I mean, I still get really frustrated and not so much at this, I guess at this person, but at the concept that people don't understand the Peter principle and it's, and it's Ed Warren, oh, the guy that comes to mind because like there was a guy who was exceptional mm-hmm. as an offensive line coach yep, and then gets promoted and is objectively terrible as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, and so like it, I love guys like Larry Johnson who are like, you know what? I'm, I'm the best in the business at this. And I don't need to do that. Like right. there's this, there's this sort of ethos out there, you know, urban Meyer really cultivated this, that you, you know, coaching like your hair's on fire and, and everybody needed to be coaching. Like they wanted to be a head coach someday. I, I don't know about that. I think, you know, if you want to be a head coach someday, that's great. If you want to be an offensive coordinator someday, that's great. But if you want to be the best damn offensive line coach in the history of the game, what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. that's, that's not a bad, that's not a bad aspiration. I, well, I guess. and you might think, I don't know, maybe you have think really highly of yourself and you're like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm great at this. So clearly I'll be great at that. And then, yeah, the Peter principle applies. People are like, well, maybe they are great at that. And it turns out they're not. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. Warner's a good, uh, I think a good selection. Um, I don't know. <laughs> and I hate the fact that he went to, you know, up north and you know yeah I mean, yeah there are a lot of ancillary and things uh, like and that's just... disappointing um i don't know that i feel angry because i wasn't two names come to mind and and one i think is kind of indicative of the hubris that i just kind of laid out with jim trussell and again i i think jim trussell's a great coach awesome dude like i don't i'm not hating on jim trussell necessarily but i do think it's indicative of the or indicative of his approach towards coaching which was to just do everything right. Like put competence in where you don't feel super confident about your ability to do it. So yeah. Okay. Haycock's going to be there forever. And you know, D'Antonio before him and all that. Great. We'll have on the defensive end where Jim Trussell didn't believe that he could do that job. He'll put in guys that he knows are competent. And then every other position where he thinks he can, he knows better than everyone else. He'll put in incompetence and like Nick Siciliano at that point, where he's the quarterback. Like, I don't know what the hell Nick Siciliano was there to do. 
And it's pretty clear that Jim Trestle was like, I'm going to have the ear of the quarterback every second of every practice and every game. I don't want anybody in that position to be able to have a different opinion or to argue with me about anything that I have that I want the quarterback to accomplish. And like, I don't blame Nick Siciliano for that. I blame Jim Trestle for that a little bit. And it's like, you look at a situation like that. You're like, man, there were some elite elite quarterbacks that Jim Trestle had. I mean, obviously with Troy Smith and Troy Smith had a great, you know, Heisman season, not an incredible, like overwhelmingly great Heisman season that maybe you could have had, but like still performed really well, but wasting the talent of a guy like Terrell Pryor, for example, and, and some other guys like, you're like, man, he could have benefited from maybe having somebody who he could have benefited from a Ryan day. You know what I mean? Like having somebody come in who really knew what the hell they were doing and could have helped him in that area. And so when I think about that, I'm like, what a huge missed opportunity. Um, the other example I was thinking of was Jeff Halfley <laughs> and like, not cause I'm mad at Jeff Halfley or that he was bad at his job. It's like, damn, it really is going to be a situation where a guy's going to come in and kick ass for a year and then just bounce. Right. Yeah. Like that's the new normal. And right. that sucks. Because Ohio State, under his tutelage for a season, had literally the best defense in America. Like, statistically, they were the best when he was the head uh, or when he was the, you know, the defensive coordinator. And then he pieces out and they just crater again. And you can see what the difference is, right, Mm -hmm. between that kind of competence. Now, obviously, you hope that a guy like Jim Knowles sticks around and you're good to go. And, you you know, you, you have that kind of bounce back. But, like, Man, that that realization that you know Ohio State's kind of a jumping off point for guys, and and sometimes that's not a bad thing when they're not that great, but when they're a Jeff Halfley, you're like, holy crap, this sucks. Um, so I think that realization was was rough. Now, okay, so this next year, I, I said we would actually go over this. I feel like it's a little unfair to just drop this on Andy. So I forward you the email from Matt, which is the question. It is very long. And I want you to take a week to ruminate on this, Andy, and then we can get into it next time because it is very detailed and very long. And I think it's not super fair of me. I know I don't usually do this. I know that ask us anything's all about like going in blind. Yeah. Um, but I want you to review it and then we'll talk about it next week. Is that, does that seem fair? Okay. Yeah. This looks, this looks deep. It is deep. deep. So we're, yeah. So by the way, though, I do want to say, did you, and, and he mentions this, Matt mentions this in his email. Did you rectify uh, your uh, having not watched Band of Brothers yet? Not yet. No. Okay. I can't. So you got you to do but, it. But, but I've got to because, yeah, and especially, uh, you know, this week being the anniversary of the Normandy landing. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely need to make that happen. So I will, I will endeavor, <laughs> endeavor to make that happen. Thank you. Should. you for, and, and here's thank the you thing. for keeping me honest. And you know what? Here's the other thing about Band of Brothers. It's really kind of remarkable how many guys are in that that you would recognize from other things, like subsequently. Hmm. Um, it's it has a very interesting cast, uh, top to bottom, kind of in the same way that Saving Private Ryan did, right? With like Vin Diesel's yeah. in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like out of nowhere. Like, huh? Okay. <laughs> you know. So there's uh there's some uh interesting parallels. I mean, obviously, kind of not. Spielberg production, but Tom Hanks was involved with Band of Brothers. And mm-hmm. so anyway, definitely check it out. It's awesome. All right. Last one here. And this is from our good friend Alvin. 
He wants to know, and by the way, we've, I think we've been asked this question, so I'm going to modify it. If you could live in the past, what time period would you live in and where are you? I'm going to add this. I'm going to, I'm going to modify it slightly, okay, by saying that you can live in the past, but, but uh, you have to live. Let's see. I was going to do like an Ohio State theme thing, but I'm going to change it uh, slightly from what I was going to do. You can live in the past. But you have okay. This is what I was gonna. Do. You have no access to like sports or anything like that. Like you can't you can't do any of your normal hobbies. So no dog shows. You can't follow Ohio State. You're gonna have to be in it to win it culturally wherever you're at in the past. You can't you can't have a familiar thing. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I I read a lot of historical fiction and. Yeah. Um, and a lot specifically, uh, oddly enough, of like military historical fiction, uh, mm-hmm. although I, I, I never served in the armed forces for whatever reason. I, it's because it's because when I was in high school, I found an author um, named W.B. Griffin, who all, he was, was a tremendous writer and wrote a lot of great characters, really interesting characters. Um, and all of them were it was just typically set in wartime uh, and they were just all happened to be in in the service we had a couple of series that were in world war ii and some that were in korea and so on uh so you know I, I, the ones one of my favorite authors that writes in that same kind of genre um you know wrote a couple of series around the founding of hong kong and the feudal period in That's japan uh yeah so you know like i find some of those times interesting um i'm reading a series right now that's set around the time of the jacobite uprising in scotland and so Mm, you know like that there's some interesting periods of history there as far as where i would actually see myself fitting in um (laughs) the studying mrs vance often pokes fun at me that i'm I'm such a snob i was apparently part of the aristocracy in a former life so (laughs) maybe maybe that's it maybe that's where i need to to go back to that's a little that's i mean yeah the old country and if you're gonna live back (laughs) hundreds of years in the past yeah doing it as a member you better be because otherwise it's gonna suck right like yeah yeah pretty awful i I would love to be a serf let's see what that's right sign me up for uh a a short life of right backbreaking labor let's i go. would like to be on robespierre's reign of terror just to <laughs> yeah, see what it's like let's, let's go with it yeah and that's um, the problem that i have with this question is just in general like you know for all of the problems i want to be that, comfortable man if i'm going back in the well, past yeah that there's the a thing. lot of there's a lot of fat like i'm reading this book right now about um napoleon's invasion of russia and russia's subsequent invasion of france and it's it's fascinating just to, to see the internal dynamics at play but also millions of people died like this was <laughs> it was horrific it was it was just the, the european continent had never seen warfare like this before and it's not something anybody would want to live through or experience or see it was it was awful for so many different reasons um fascinating and, and something to kind of like be interested you know with the retrospective hundreds of years where you can like watch it from afar but like at the time no way in hell i would want to be around that that'd be awful um you know like i'm really interested in the civil war in that time period that's that would be terrible i would yeah. not enjoy that at all that well bit. see we're, we're from ohio we would have been like generals um so <laughs> yeah. maybe that would have worked out because all of the all, yeah the entire all of the important general all the important generals in the war came from that's right <laughs> um but like 
yeah i mean if if i really truly want to be like placed like plop somewhere in the past and i'll give up the internet and all that stuff i'm thinking like i don't know man like summer of love like in scandinavia <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> that's great in, honest, in all honesty though like if i'm going for maximum comfort and enjoyment okay well let's go let's go to the summer of love and chill out not in america because hell no am i getting drafted i won't do that crap so <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to sweden baby and i'm hanging out on the on the shores and you know doing my thing attending free college yeah let's go like yeah. that's I think uh, that would have to be the move. As, as I really started thinking through all of the places that I've read a lot about, like, cause there's places I definitely want to go. Like I mentioned Hong Kong. Like I definitely want to go see Hong Kong someday. Cause I read some, yeah. so many books, but I want to go to Japan. Cause I read, you know, books that were set there. And so like, you feel like after you read a number of, of books where, you know, in a given setting, oh, uh, by the and, way, and the authors tried to yeah. stay like, you know, relatively faithful sure. to the setting. Like you're like, oh, I'd really like to go see that today. But as I started thinking about the 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 time periods, you know, it's like hmm, 1600 wasn't a great time for most people on the planet. You know, no. like it's so. Eh. You know what I think though. By the way, centered around a specific event, I know that you can't like have familiar things. That that was the addendum I attached to it. Of Japan in the past might be interesting. The 1964 Summer Olympics, because that's really when Japan like reintroduced itself to the rest of the world mm. and that was like a huge big thing in that country and it was really like a big transition like modernization movement that they had that would be a cool time i think to be in japan that would be pretty sweet and how so interesting sick. like how different that is now from where the discussion of the modern olympics is like you know hosting the olympics is a millstone around the neck of oh sure yeah the the, the host but that that's a very different example yeah that would be sick 1964 summer olympics in tokyo that would be that would rule um, nice. but yeah anytime in the 60s i'm not going to be in the united states i'm not letting my number come up <laughs> screw that uh great questions this week and again matt i'm sorry that we didn't get super into it but i i want to make sure andy's prepared so we'll we'll hit that next week and and keep sending those questions in because they're all fantastic we love to answer them good stuff my friends uh, a couple odds and ends to finish this thing up um uh, shout out to um, a, a former Ohio, a couple of former Ohio state, uh, standouts actually had, um, James Laurinaitis, um, and Chris Ward, both making the 2023 college football hall of fame ballot, uh, not Laurinaitis's first ballot, but, but he seems like a guy that's destined for the hall. Chris Ward, yeah. um, is getting into that, that, uh, time frame where he's got just a few ballots left before he ages out of eligibility ohio state has uh as you might expect several players in the college football hall of fame uh and and also shout out to ohio state great nick mangold selected for the new york jets ring of honor um and i understand you have some uh warm feelings for nick mangold uh for reasons totally unrelated to football <laughs> yeah well he he had a uh i don't know if you're still doing it but he had a, like a barbecue sauce line that I, I think I reviewed actually for 11 Warriors. And it's pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. I thought, and I'm not even saying that, you know, because, oh, it's Nick Mamo, Ohio State, you know, got free barbecue. So I remember that. No, it was, I think it's legitimately pretty decent. I like it. It's, it's kind of unusual, but I think it's good. Mangolds74barbecue.com. So, according to the website, it is available on the shelf at several places in New Jersey or online. Yeah. 
I, I think it's I think it's a decent sauce. I would check it out if you're interested in, in some, you know, some something new that you haven't had before. All right. That's where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, great to be back in the saddle and ride along with my partner in crime. Send in those questions to ask us anything. And the all season continues unabated. We'll uh, take a, a deep stab at Matt's question and ask us yeah. anything next week. And until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the Dubcast.